Well, amen. Don't take this the wrong way, but this is the best y'all have ever looked in your entire life. <laughs> it really is. Good to, good to see everybody this morning and, and really still getting to know everyone. Uh, my name is Andy John King, and I'm the lead pastor of Lincoln Lane Baptist Church. Uh, it's good to see you guys. Um, welcome in. Uh, we, we do appreciate you being here. You can take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, while you're turning there, I, I do, I want to echo the sentiments Bradley gave us. Um, you know, the hardest part, we've been asked this question for the last two or three months, but the hardest part of not being able to, to do this is not being able to see you. It's not being able to, to hear from you and hear needs and prayer requests and, and see you to encourage you personally and face-to-face. And so we're certainly glad that God would uh, give, us, give us this time together this morning. Um, it's really weird to turn into the parking lot on Sunday mornings and it'd be empty. And so, uh, we're thankful the Lord has brought us back together for sure. So let's, uh, let's turn to Hebrews chapter three. Let me pray for us and, and we're going to jump right in. Lord, we, we thank you, God. We give you glory and honor. We've, we've been praying God that you would lead us back together uh, safe and sound. And we're thankful for that. And we pray, oh Lord, uh, that you would lead us today as we discuss your word as we learn from your word and god we've we've lifted your name up father and i pray that we've done so in spirit and in truth and god we're so grateful lord that that you are who you are that you have given of yourself that you've made a way for us to know you to be right with you to be in heaven one day with you for all eternity god we're grateful for your character your love and your grace and your mercy lord that you have made a way for us for all eternity and may we gain that perspective today. Lord, we know that there are many that are here today, today with needs, and we pray, God, that you would meet their needs. Lord, there are some that still have not yet returned, and Lord, if they're watching today, we, we pray over them, Lord. We just thank you for them and pray that you would uh, minister to them, Lord. And God, we thank you for Lindsay Lane North, Lindsay Lane East, and we pray your blessings over those campuses as well. Thank you, God, for how you're taking care of us, Lord. Help us to be good stewards of what you give us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife watches HGTV. I don't watch it. My wife watches it. I'm too man. Don't know. I watch it too, just to be honest. Uh, we watch it together. And when we watch it together, there are these shows where there's a couple or an individual and they're buying a house. And as they're buying a house, all these graphics start popping up, uh, up at the bottom third of the screen. And they begin to tell us how many rooms are in the house, how much square footage. They'll list the price, the location, talks about all those things. But one thing I think is interesting if you watch those shows is that they never tell you who the builder is. And that they never even ask. And maybe they do, maybe it's off screen, but they don't think it's important enough to put it on there. Or maybe there's some reasons why they can't. But, but the, the, the actual identity of who builds those homes is not featured in the programming. And, and to know the identity of who built the home speaks to the integrity of the home. To know the identity of who built the home tells us whether or not the building will last. And so this month, in the month of June, we'll be searching the scriptures for our personal lives. We'll be searching the scriptures for our homes for our church and for the organizations that you and I lead, for the organizations that you and I influence, and whether or not these structures that we are building have integrity, and whether or not these structures that we are a part of are going to last. 
Maybe we'll answer the question of who is designing the very structure that we're a part of. And maybe we'll answer the question or at least experience conviction over who should be developing the structures that we're a part of. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, the scripture says, And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. Think carefully about this Jesus, the scripture says. The intended audience of Hebrews are Jewish converts to Christianity. They are recent converts. They have left what is to be known to them, tradition and what they've always known, and they have placed their faith in Christ, the truth of God. And so the writer here is beginning to counter the pressure and persecution that they are experiencing for converting to Christianity, and he is reinforcing to them that Jesus is the truth. Hebrews is a reaffirming word that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the way to God, that Jesus is your ticket into heaven. Jesus is the standard in which to live. He is reinforcing this truth, the truth of God's word. This is why in verse 1, the scripture says to the audience who's, again, being influenced away from the conviction that they now have. This is why the scripture says, you better think carefully about this Jesus before you up and leave. You better think carefully and consider who Jesus is before you renounce the faith that you have. We're living in a time where people are either clinging to their faith or they are questioning their faith. They are either holding tight to what they believe or they are putting whatever they believe into question altogether. And if, if, if any of us, if we call to the God of the Bible, the Scripture teaches us that God would simply say about who are you, what do you want from us, How should we live? How should we see the world? The God of the Bible is simply saying, well, see Jesus. Just see Jesus. Because the scripture says in Acts chapter 22, or Acts chapter 2, verse 22, that God publicly endorsed Jesus through the signs and wonders and miracles of Christ. This is God's way of saying, see Jesus, you see me. The the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, about Jesus, that Jesus has All the inheritance of the Father. Whatever the Father's got to give, He gives it to the Son. This is the way. The Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, that Jesus radiates the glory of God. That Jesus expresses the Father's character. He is God. This is the way. This is the way to think, the way to move, the way to feel through Jesus. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again to sit at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. If you're wondering who God is, if you're wondering what God is like, if you're trying to find him, if you want to know what he wants from you, for us to how to act, for us to have what to believe and how to see and feel and think, see Jesus. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ. When you seek Jesus, you are experiencing God. And this is the reinforcing word that the author's giving. That if if you're wavering, you better think about who Jesus is. (laughs) That's what he's saying. If you're wavering and you're thinking about going back into the world, going back into yourself, going back into tradition, none of those things died for you. None of the people that are speaking into your life died for you. Only Jesus. And this was written so that they would be persuaded towards the truth. Because God's not going to make adjustments to the truth. Do y'all hear that? God will not make adjustments to the truth. 
Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. That's why we sing about him. That's why we preach about him. He's still the way, still the truth, still the life. That's not changed. And if you talk to the Lord, he's not going to change it. He stands on the truth. That's always going to be there. Chapter 3, verse 2. The Bible says, For he, Jesus, was faithful to God, who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. Now, the author of Hebrews knows exactly who he's writing to. When he's writing to Jewish converts, he knows when he speaks the name of Moses, that's, that, that's going to pique their interest. That's going to turn their attention to somebody that they have valued for a long time. And so when we compare and contrast Jesus and Moses in the Scripture, we understand, as the writer's taking us through, we understand that while they both are faithful and admirable, that one of those is man and the other is God. And he's making this distinction. Moses was viewed by Jewish people as the greatest man in the Old Testament. Moses was viewed as a superior teacher of God's truth, an intercessor for God's people, a faithful follower of God. And the book of Hebrews simply teaches us that when God hears this, God is like, who, Moses? Oh, yeah, he's a good man, works for me. See, that, that's, the, that's the distinction that's being made. Chapter 3, verse 3 puts it this way. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. Moses was a biblical hero at the end of the day. No doubt about that. But Moses was serving in the house that Jesus built. Moses was just working for the Lord. And when people start giving more allegiance to a servant in the house rather than a creator of the house, then they begin to follow someone that can't give them the answers to all their questions. When you begin to seek an individual out, any individual that's ever been made by God, outside of Jesus, when you begin to seek an individual for your answers, they're not going to be able to answer all of them. They're limited. And if you were to give them glory and praise, they wouldn't be deserving of it. This is really what the world does, though. We would sit here today and we would open the Scriptures and turn your attention to God while, honestly, the world would, would look into the house and if the question were to be put before us, how was the house to be built? The world would say, well, go inside and talk to the people that live inside. When wisdom says, don't ask them because they don't know. Ask the builder. That's the difference. Moses did not create the world. Moses did not choose a people for his glory. He did not have a plan of redemption and carry it out. Moses did not create the truth. Moses did not make a way for salvation. And he does not have authority over us. Now, all of us think amen to that today because we're like, we don't have this thing with Moses. That's exactly right. Yet we do tend to still give allegiance to people, even people that just serve in the house. I'm going to be real careful about this. I'm just going to take a holy risk here and say what I'm going to say. I have respect for the office of our president. For him to hold up the scripture, I'm glad of that. I have respect for our lawmakers. For our lawmakers to quote scripture, I'm glad of that. Even though I don't think either one of them should be using this to shout each other down. But I don't need them to hold up Scripture or even talk about it. Because I know the one who built the whole thing. I know the one who's come up with all this. 
So for, for them to, to grandstand or not, and I don't know their heart, but I don't need it. I don't need it. Because I don't take my cue from Moses. I take my cue from Jesus. I don't take my cue for living based off of anybody that wears a dress or a suit or tie. Because they serve in the house if they do. At best. But they didn't build it. And because God is a personal God who's made a way for all of us to know Him, then we can go straight to the Father because of the Son. We can go with confidence and bow our head and ask God to tell us how it ought to be. To ask God to show us the way, how to think, how to feel, how to see the world. Sometimes we treat like everybody represents God that we can't get to. Chapter 3, verse 4, the Bible says, For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Don't you love it when the Bible makes it plain? Chapter 3, verse 4, again, For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Sometimes our children have the best theology. Who built the world? God built it. How were people made? God made them. How did the sun get there? God put it there. That's the things that your children will teach you because that's what we teach them on the basics. But when it comes to our families, who's building our families? Who's building our businesses that we lead? Who's building our churches that we're involved in? But see, because the answer from our kids of who made anything is God. When it comes to who's building our structures, adults, sometimes we can't answer that question as quick. In verse 4, God built on... This is some theology here. So in verse 4, God built all things. And in verse 3, the emphasis is that Jesus built the house. Right? You give more praise to Jesus because he built the whole thing. And then in verse 4, every house has a builder and God built everything. So what the Bible is teaching you is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus is God. The divine agent of creation is Jesus the Christ. Moses is but a part. And every other Christian just serves in the house. So, for the rest of our time, I want us to focus on chapter 3, verse 4. Every house has a builder, the Bible says. Now, the word in Scripture, house, has a meaning that implies where a family dwells. Or, if you keep going with the word meaning, it represents what a family values. So where the family lives and what a family values. So for a greater development of thought with this and this word home, and the scripture says every house has a builder, every worldview and every value system, every opinion, every thought has an establisher. No house or structure just rises up out of the ground. The things that you think today about all that's going on in the world came from somewhere. You just didn't think of it on your own. It's either been passed down from generation, filtered through the word of God or not. And so it comes from somewhere. And a spoiler alert here, because the last series of this message is going to talk about the bricks and the boards, which happens to be the church, the house of God, the structure that represents God's view and values is to be the enduring church. So before we speak to things, we need to speak to the Lord. Before we talk and voice opinions, we need to know what the Scripture says, not just what my granddaddy said. Now, I say that a lot, but I know where we live, and y'all do too. So let's make this biblical and simple as we move to a conclusion. Every house has a builder. A good home builder is credible, and a good home builder cares. A home builder that's a worth his salt knows what they are doing and know why they do it. 
So let's talk about the credibility of a good home builder. Our, our children, my son Davis and our daughter Noel, they're just like any of y'all's kids that were little. Ours are still kind of little. They build things. Every time they have a sleepover of any kind, we take the dining room chairs, dining room, we take the kitchen chairs, whatever. We take the kitchen chairs, we take all four of them, we put them together, and then we get all the blankets in the house. And we lay those blankets over every chair that's been set up for a tent. We've constructed something. Now we've built a fort in the house to sleep in until five seconds later somebody else comes up with a better idea to do something else and we leave the fort, right? Not even thinking about putting it up or deconstructing it's up there now right and same thing happens on the outside we'll take sticks and leaves and baseball bats and tarps and now we've got a tree house of some kind and so we are builders right that's that's what we do our children are just like yours we're the same way and while the structures of our youth they're a good effort they will not stand how many of you would give the time of day to a builder who wants to build a structure for you, and they would put before you their portfolio or resume, and on their resume it lists the best treehouse they've ever made in their backyard. Now, how many of you are going to entertain that one as a credible builder, someone that would build a house for you that would stand if they handed you a piece of paper with a crayon drawing of the actual treehouse that they built on the outside? How many of you would take them seriously to build any kind of literal structure for you? We laugh, but sometimes we allow whoever is the loudest, whoever's got the most attention, whoever is the most famous, whoever is the most socially influential, students and children, are you hearing me? Sometimes we allow those who have the most influence, the most famous, to shape our thought, and we'll bet on traditions, we'll bet our own point of view on raising up structures. We're betting on Moses and not Jesus. We're betting on loud voices. Even Moses was a godly man. We're betting on, betting on people that just have a platform to develop our structures. And so when you hear all of these voices, you've got to strain that through the Word of God. Listen to the following that I read during last week's study. As we talk about sometimes, it's not even the voices that are outside. It's just about our own point of view and our own personal feelings. Well, listen to me. There's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to the death. So your seemings don't go a long way. The, the best laid plans of men, the best thoughts of men don't go a long way. I read this last week in, in relation to building a home. The cheapest way to build a house is to be your own builder. Now think about what we're talking about. The cheapest way to build your structure is to build, be your own builder. There's nothing wrong with trying to save on expense. But in this case, when you try to build your own structures... When you try to build your own families, when you try to build your own influence within your organizations, when we try to build our own church accustomed to our preferences, what we're doing is, is we're getting what we pay for. They will not stand. We're building tree houses. To share our points, to form our thought, we're soliciting those who are either outside the house or inside the house when the master builder is available. Remember Job? Remember when he finally began to cave to the pressure of those around him? Remember that? 
Remember that when he was questioning, or, or all of the ones that are around him were questioning everything that was going on, and Job was like, I just don't get it. I, I thought I was a godly man, like in the beginning of the book of Job. And like he has all these questions, and all the pressure's getting to him, and then he begins to question God, saying things like this in Job chapter 10, verse 4. Are your eyes like those of a human? Do you see only as people see them? Do you see things only as people see them? And Job is putting these questions before God. And what does God tell him? Basically, he tells him on the front. He's like, you just sit right down there, big boy. Let me tell you something. That's what he tells Job. And this is what he says. He says, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? And when I read through Job, sometimes I really feel bad for him. Because it's like Job has really gone through some difficult times. And now he's basically saying, Lord, you said on the front end that I was a good one. And I think I'm a good one too. What's happening? And that's really what he's putting before God. But what's happening is, is that he is questioning God. He is putting God to the test. He is having, experiencing all the feelings that we would feel too. But it doesn't change the truth of who God is, that God knows everything. He built everything. What does he say in the scripture? He says, brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. And then listen to the resume of the master builder. Listen to how God talks about creating. He says this, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. He said, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations? Who laid its cornerstones? What is God saying? God's saying this, I built all of it. You're questioning me. And I was there before you or even a thought. I built all this. It's just like our kids. When our kids reach a certain age, children in here, listen up, because this is what we tell ours too. But our kids will start saying things like, no, it ain't that way. It's this way. And I'll, in my spirit of sarcasm, I'll say things like this. Oh, that's right. I forgot you're seven. That's when you know all of it. <laughs> right? Oh, you're four. Yeah. And, and what do we say? You don't even know what you're talking about. Like parents, do we not say that stuff? You don't even know what you're speaking of. And what do we say? We've been here a lot longer than you have. Well, God uses that argument to say, I laid the foundations of all this. I know how it all goes. Verse 4 says, God built everything. Everything. So why do we are we so quick? To rush to voices that don't even know how it all goes. They just speak loud. And I'm one of them. And that's why the scriptures would tell you to take this home and you go back and read it for yourself and see what I'm saying is right or not. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, the Bible says, The foolish plan of God, the foolish plan of God, is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weaknesses are stronger than the greatest of human strength. I love that. It really puts us in our place, doesn't it? God's word to the world, through the book of Hebrews, to the book of Job, God's word to the world from the word is instead of complaining and instead of questioning and instead of reasoning, repent of your sins and turn to me and, and, and see what I value for what you value. To see how to treat people, to see what to do, what to do with your life, to see what to do with your resources. Turn from yourself and turn to me. Repent of your sins and believing me, believe in me through Jesus, as we looked at on the first half of this. And when you have access to me, you've got access to the truth about how everything ought to go. 
A credible home builder is one who knows how to build a structure that lasts. A credible home builder is one who knows how to build a structure to code. Is one who knows how to, how to build a structure that, and he has a wealth of experience in doing so. I read this about choosing a good home builder this week. Now listen to this. A good home builder can use their many years of practical experience to resolve potential constructability issues before the plans for your home are complete. Focus in. So that you don't have to end up going through a costly redesign at the last minute. Now, that's a long, I don't want to read that again, but did you hear it? So that you won't have to go back and change everything that you're doing. A good home builder has the experience to give you the truth on the front end so that you don't have to work through the consequences of your poor decisions to get everything right to represent wisdom. That's what we'll get if we'll choose the home builder on the front end of sin. Now, God will work out all the mess we create. God is so full of grace and mercy as deep as the sea, just like the song said. God will give you the forgiveness, and in his patience, he will lead you. But you've got to know that God's compassion is as sure as his justice. And so you will experience consequences for sin we all have. And so to keep from going back and having to reconstruct all the mess we've built, just let the master builder talk to us on the front end about how to do it to begin with. A good home builder is credible. A good home builder cares. God cares about the earthly structures that we build. And I want you to listen, because I know in this room there's a lot of leaders. I know that. There's a lot of leaders, there's a lot of managers, there's a lot of influ- influential people in this room, a lot of influential people that are listening. And God cares about the structures that we build. God cares about the structures that we are a part of. He really does care. And it's good to know that, I think. It's good to know that God is interested in, the, in our purposes. Uh, my sister was, was looking at uh, building a home. She, she actually ended up not doing that, but she was looking at building a home recently. And um, she was talking to some some guys that were, were uh, sitting before her about a house to build for her. And I got to talking about her, and she said, well, I met with four or five different home builders, and they sat before us. It was guys and ladies. And anyway, she said, I sat before all of them. Basically, what she told me, she went with the one, or she wanted to go with the one that she felt like they cared about her. Isn't that good? That's, that's, that'll preach, won't it? In the way that we handle people. And so when, when we are building the structures of our life, when we've got a church and we're thinking about leading a church, leading a family, leading a business, leading a ball team, leading a class, whatever it is, God cares about how you manage that class, about how you manage that team, about how you manage the church and the like. God cares for you in that, and he cares for you so that you'll do it right for his glory because God cares about his glory. And all of this that that we are experiencing in the middle of 2020, which, by the way, it's just June. We're not even, <laughs> we're not even there yet. We're still right in the middle of it, and there's all kinds of things going on. But I want to say this carefully. In all of this that we are in the middle of in 2020, it still stands that we are often fighting for a world that one day will expire. Did you hear that? One day, we're, I mean, we're fighting for a world that one day will be no longer. We're, we're fighting for lives. That one day will be no longer. And there's merit in that. Absolutely there's merit in that, of course. And biblical merit. So yes, God cares about our health. 
Yes, God cares about the things that we're trying to do here to keep people safe in the time that we've waited. And yes, God cares about racial reconciliation. Absolutely, he cares about those things. But it wouldn't make much sense if God cared about those things knowing that today is not promised and eternity is. You hear me? God knows that eternity is forever. God cares about the earthly structures that we represent because those structures represent opportunities to point people to something greater than ourselves. Those structures that we represent are involved in building up are opportunities to point people to a God who has a greater purpose for them than just living down here. Because death is coming and death is certain. And when it is, it's final. We are either with God through God's grace and mercy through Jesus Christ, or we are apart from God, and that's final and forever. And so, yes, God cares about everything that's going on right now. But as I see it in the Scriptures, me and you, we're agents of reconciliation, the Bible says. Ministers of reconciliation, a world that is apart from God, we are the ones that are to point people upward in all of this, So yes, they'll begin to think about their physical life, but even more so, they'll think about their eternal life and destination. God cares about the structures because the structures mean something. Either our families are pointing people to the Lord or not. Either our churches are welcoming and pointing people to the Lord or not. Our businesses, our teams, our classes, everything that the church is a part of and over. We're ministers of reconciliation before the title of your job. We're ministers of reconciliation. So they all mean something. Who's building them? Who's building them? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 says, Through the Son He created the universe. Now we hear that, it's very simple, but it's also very deep. Through the Son He created the universe. The Bible says that through Jesus, God Created, meaning that Jesus is the divine agent of creation and everything else through the Son. So, what does this mean? How does this teach us that God cares about our businesses, schools, etc.? How does this teach us that? Because when the scripture says, through the Son, He created, it may as well say this through the Son, should it could even say, through His love, God created, through His plan of redemption, God created. Through reconciliation, God created. Through righteousness, God created. Through patience and care and all the things. That's how we know God cares about us. Through Jesus means through who God is, which is compassion and mercy and care. But through Jesus might as well say, for eternity was created. And for relationship, for all who would believe he created. If we care about our worldly issues today but don't care for the world's eternity tomorrow, what are we really doing in all this? Yes, we need to stand on the side of right. We absolutely need to do that. But why? Why? Yes, because it's right. Yes, because it's biblical. But also because this down here isn't the end of all things. Keep an eternal perspective, church. Keep an eternal perspective. And I would say, talk like you know what's coming and walk like you know what's coming. And try not to do anything that leads people away from the heaven you believe in. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 says, And through him, through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. That's what God wants to do with this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. 
So that whosoever should believe would not perish, but have what? Eternal life. That's what God's doing. He's working through us to reconcile the world to himself. So represent God and let God build the structure we represent. If we want peace in our homes, if we want influence that matters in our circles of influence, if we want purpose in our personal lives, if you want our families to mean something, then we have to know God, and to know God, you've got to come to God on His terms. See, we can't just do like every people, all these people doing today, like, oh yeah, man, we know God. And we, apparently the whole world represents God. But see, God has terms, and those terms run through Jesus. If you're here today and you want to really know God, then you have got to believe in Jesus. You've got to turn from yourself, and this is all spiritually generated and motivated, But you've got to turn from yourself and turn to God by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. That means you're saved. That means you're right with God and on the right way to making this life count for something. Because the scripture says in Psalm 127.1, Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord builds it. Today... I mean, it's not going to be too long. We're going to have to get back down to this altar. Amen? We've got to. And I see it more now even than last week because we're here face to face. But we're going to wait on that today because we're trying to be healthy and safe and we're going to try to make wise decisions to put your best interest in mind. That don't stop you from praying just because you can't get to the altar. So I would ask all of us today, to evaluate what God is saying and to look inside of our lives to see if we line up with that. But I would also say today, if you're like, man, you know exactly right. I've been thinking about this for a long time, been thinking about it for the last three months. I want to be right with God, and I want to represent God's interest. Then come on. You can do that in a few ways. You can see a pastor at the door. If you want to wait till the crowd kind of clears out and they're going to the parking lot and all that, you can wait and you can come straight to one of our pastors at the door, and all you've got to say is, I need to be saved or I need to be baptized, or I want to join the church, or I need some help. That's all you got to say. You don't have to go into explaining all that. We'll take you from there and help you. We'd love to receive that today. You can call us tomorrow. You can send us an email today, or you can text LLBC to 31996. And I like this because a lot of times people don't know how church goes, and they don't want to walk the aisle in front of a whole lot of folks. And so for those that are thinking about it and they have more questions, if you'll text LLBC to 31996 then we can help take care of you from there. But if you want to catch us today and talk personally, that's fine too. Last week, we had a lady from Moulton send in a, a text message to LLBC to 31996. I called her and talked to her on the phone. She said, I've been watching you guys live stream. I really appreciate it. She says, I just really feel like I need to be saved and nail it down. I want to be saved and I want to be baptized. And I said, well, amen. I said, that's awesome. I said, let me, we talk about a few things. Here's how we'll do this. And she said, and gosh, I was just just so um, I was just so disappointed to hear that that brother Dusty was was retiring. <laughs> and I said, of course. I said, we all love brother Dusty. And she said, but when I heard his message, now I want you to understand. I called her this past week. I preached last Sunday. She was watching the message from ZTV two weeks ago when brother Dusty preached. <laughs> so you know what I did? I called him on the phone. I said, you baptize her. <laughs> no serious business though i called him and of course he was uh, gracious to oblige and, and i said we've had a lady text in and we got her information 
and she's from Moulton, and she'd really like to meet you and have you baptized. And, of course, he was, was grateful to do that. But, but we want you to respond if it's time to respond. We really do want to help you take the next steps towards being that agent of reconciliation for the Lord God. Amen?